Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. I'm going to read the text first, and then we're going to pray. Um, be- because it's in red letters, um, I'm going to ask you guys to stand, if you can, um, so that we can read this portion, um, just to honor our Lord and Savior. Um, I'm going to be in Revelations 2, 1 through 7. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and that you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have had patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you also hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time, God, that we can just come before you and just worship you and honor you first and foremost. We thank you, God, for the word that's going to come forth, God, that I believe, Lord, that you have put in my heart, God, and I just pray, Lord, that you just take over my mouthpiece, Lord, and I'm simply only a messenger, God, that our ears are open to hear what you want to say, Lord. You just want us, God. You want this time. You want this word. So we hand it all over to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Uh, just want to honor my pastors. Thank you for letting me talk. It's always a little, you know, what is she going to say? Well, there's a little bit of trust up here. <laughs> what's going to, what's going to, what am I going to say? Um, so I'm just going to, you know, preface you know, give me grace, people here, and give me grace, people there, because <laughs> it's recorded, and I can't unsay what I've said, so, so I pray that the Lord just grace everything, <laughs> it all, and my husband, my, my favorite usher, um, my favorite usher, my personal usher, who loves me and takes care of me, um, okay, so I know that we know Revelations 2, because We've been here in the church for quite a while, but also pastor did read it last Wednesday. And so when he read it last Wednesday and just really everything that pastor has been ministering about has really lined up to, you know, what the Lord has put in my heart over this past month. Um, And I've had this kind of brewing in my heart when we came back from the marriage conference. So I'm just going to jump in here, give a little bit of background. So we know the book of Revelations was written by John on the island of Patmos. 
if that's how you pronounce that. Uh, <laughs> however, we know the words that are written, the words that I just spoke, are actually not his own. These are in red, um, which means they are Jesus' words directly, and John was simply the hand and the pen to write that down. So we see that Jesus here is addressing the church of Ephesus. Um, now, out of the seven churches, Ephesus is the only church that actually has an epistle written about it, which I think is really nice because we get a full view of the church of Ephesus. Um, and, and we're reading Ephesians, and you, get a, you, you know exactly what was the challenges there. You know what they were taught. You know what they were strong at and what they were commended for by Paul. But Jesus here is commending them for their faithfulness. But their faithfulness was not the issue. The issue that Jesus had with this church was that they left their first love. So just a quick background of the church of Ephesus. I really enjoy history, so I did a nice, cool, deep dive uh, when, I, when I started, um, you know, ministering on the armor of God um, because I really wanted to understand who Paul was speaking to when he was teaching about the armor of God. And so just a quick understanding Ephesus was a huge metropolitan and cosmopolitan city. It was like Sin City on steroids, right? Here, on steroids. Here we have some laws, some things you can't do. Uh, there, there were no laws <laughs> of things that you can't do. Sin was rampant. Um, so there was no law and order um, like there is today, although our laws are a lot more liberal than a lot of other states. Um, so... Uh, it was more of the opposite. Things were really uh, praised during that time. Uh, there's some kids in the room. Uh, I'm going to preface this with there's, if you have kids, mute me. Uh, <laughs> it was praised to live in immorality. Um, a lot of holidays actually emphasized sexual immorality. Um, it was the headquarters for cult and pagan worship, specifically for Artemis, the pagan god of fertility and life, which just meant sexual perversion and exploration. Um, many of the cult worship gatherings ended in drunken orgies, sexual immorality, and perversion of all kinds. Am I in trouble? Okay. <laughs> all right. Unmute me. <laughs> oh, wait, if I'm muted, then you can't hear me. Never mind. Just, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> Along with pagan worship challenges, the early church of Ephesus not just struggled with the huge temple of Artemis, but they struggled with basic necessities that were bought, sold, and traded at the city's marketplace called the Angora. So there was this huge marketplace in the middle of Ephesus where people came to buy, sell, and trade. Well, to buy, sell, and trade, you had to get in, kind of like a swap meet. has like, you know, you got to pay a dollar to get in. They did give your dollar back. No, they don't give it back anymore. They used to give it back. Uh, <laughs> I remember. I remember. Um, but they, I think they hope you just spend it or something. But either way, the entrance fee was to light an, an incense out of honor and loyalty to the emperor. So not only did they have to have loyalty to pagan worship, but they also had to have loyalty to the emperor, which, you know, when we're talking about idols and putting the Lord above all lords, it's a struggle <laughs> when your spices, your food, your linens, everything that's a basic necessity is on the other side of just lighting that incense. So, uh, you know, they had those challenges, and then they had the challenges of 
embedded in doctrine, things that they were taught when they were younger. A lot of Romans during that time were taught that they were actually gods. They were a, a an, an extension of God themselves. So they were facing this lady, this lady devil statue. Uh, they were facing the actual emperors, and then they were facing themselves at the same time. And the, the church really struggled. They were up against challenge versus challenge. And then we, go, we still go back to what Jesus said, you know, in saying that he commended them for rejecting evil, their patience, their labor, their perseverance, and their testing of false teachers. They were still, amongst all of those challenges, they were still known for their good works, their morality, and always defending the doctrine, which meant that they found their own food. <laughs> they didn't engage in any of those activities, and they still ministered in the midst of all of that immorality. They stood strong in that. Uh, Paul gives us a little glimpse in Acts 19. I'll read a little bit from that. I like my own Bible, so I'm going to read from my own Bible. And it happened, uh, this is verse 1, uh, while Apollos was in Corinth, that Paul had passed through the upper regions and came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then, John, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. So we continue to read about the boldness and how Paul stayed there for, for two years. But even Paul had challenges in verse 9. It says, but, we're, but when some were hardened and did not believe but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed and withdrew the disciples. He essentially took them out and replaced them um, to do his work. Um, some amazing things happened when Paul was in Ephesus. The, the power of the Holy Spirit truly fell. Uh, there were unusual miracles, um, and, and this is the, the scriptures that we see where people would steal pieces of Paul's clothing because just dumping, you know, a scrap of his garment would bring healing and cast out disease. So the Holy Spirit really moved in Ephesus and empowered those in the early church. Um, following, if you continue reading Acts, following those miracles, there was a great uproar, and that led to Paul leaving to Macedonia. So I, I kind of paint that picture um, to just show you the challenges that the church was up against, right? The, the Why they really needed the armor of God, like why Paul left and ended Ephesians 6 with like, okay, guys, good luck, you know? Hey, guys, just so you know, the battle's real, you know? And Paul talks about fighting beast after beast, you know? So he equips them before he leaves, and he's like, I got to go. There's <laughs> a lot, but you guys got this. Um, and just going back again to what Jesus said, Jesus commended them for standing their ground. He acknowledged them for all that they've done. But they left their first love. At some point in time, they were fighting and fighting and fighting, and then they left 
their first love. They forgot about him. Now, <clears throat> I know oftentimes we can read this portion of scripture and maybe assume that it's a rebuke. But when I hear Revelations 2, I don't hear a rebuke. I mean, you can if you want to hear it, but I don't hear one. I, I hear the father saying, daughter, son, I see you. I see you trying to do it all. I see you trying to be mom, trying to be dad, trying to be boss, trying to be the best at this, the best at that, trying to hold the ministry together, hold the church together, trying not to fall apart. I see you crying in your shower. I see all of these things, and I see your faithfulness. But I miss you. But I miss you. You see, in the midst of all of that, you forgot to spend a little time with me. In the midst of working the extra shifts, the double shifts, the studying, the up, the down, all of that, trying to keep everything together, I miss you. And I want to spend time with you. And that's essentially what he's saying here. He's saying, I see it all. I see, I see everything that you're doing, but I love you and I miss you. Now, what kind of sparked this, uh, <laughs> this uh, message tonight, uh, many of you guys know, uh, my husband and I and a few other couples in the church, we went on a marriage retreat. <clears throat> Hold on. We went on a marriage retreat last month, and during one of the last services, the preacher called an an altar call, and he especially directed the altar call to those who didn't have a father figure in their life. And whether that is, you know, their father left them young, um, neglect in the household, etc. If you did not have a father figure in your life, he, he wanted you to come up. And my husband and I went um, to the altar. And uh, when we went to the altar, the preacher started praying for people, and then I just got like a little nudge in my spirit to look back. And when I looked back, I kind of felt like a, oh, like a, I almost kind of want to throw up, but there's like a knot in your... <laughs> Maybe that's what the spirit feels to me. <laughs> and like you want to cry and you're starting to feel really tight. But what I saw there was that 90% of the people were at the altar. And there was 10% of really lucky people who had two parent homes. And then it all made sense. <laughs> no wonder why we suck. <laughs> we're struggling. <laughs> we're struggling. No wonder why we're struggling. It all makes sense because we... We, we, we get married without knowing how to be married. It's like taking a test you never studied for and the teacher never taught, okay? It's not good. You're putting C on every bubble and hoping that C is right for one of the questions. And uh, then we end up at a marriage conference all broken, like, Pastor, fix me. And because and, we, we didn't learn these things. We didn't learn how to have healthy marriages. Uh, you know, in the scripture, in, in Revelations, the word 
A lot of people will misconfuse the word for losing your first love, but the word is left in all translations, which means it's not an accident. I lost my pen. Well, I can't find it. No, I left my pen, which means that I saw something, I saw it, and I walked away from it. I'm not going to pick that up, by the way, until later. Uh, <laughs> just so you know. Um, so there was a lot of people who their only answer was to leave. The only thing that made sense to us married couples is to leave. 50% of marriages end in divorce because it makes sense for us to leave. It makes sense for us to start over in the physical. And that, that statistic doesn't really change in the church because it just makes sense to press the restart button. Because our horizontal relationships are failing because we don't have um, an idea of what we're looking at. I, I would... I would put money, <laughs> bet <laughs> that the rate of those who have walked away from the Lord is very close. Because marriages didn't work out, and these marriage, <laughs> our marriage with the Lord doesn't work out. We learned in the marriage conference that our marriages are a direct reflection horizontally than they are vertically. So when you have a healthy relationship with the Lord, you can have a healthy relationship with your spouse. So <clears throat> I say I say that <laughs> to just clear up, you know, I don't want you guys to leave here and feel like this isn't for you <laughs> because Jesus is completely directing it to us. This was not for the backslider who comes in every once in a while and gives their life to the Lord. This is directly reflected to those who serve, who pastor, who lead, who teach, who, uh, who labor in the house of God. Um, fun fact, uh, you can backslide and still come to church. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you, you can be a backslider and be sitting in the seat right now. Nobody look around, okay? It, it, there's, there's times where we, we don't have to leave the church to backslide. But our heart is far away. We get burnt out in ministry because we haven't talked to the Lord. We, we haven't had any encounters with God, so we get tired of working for God. But the thing is, God never said to work for me. He said to love me. He said to be close to me, be intimate with me. He is our first love. And that is what he's saying. He's saying, you left me. We even neglected him. Uh, left is also another word for divorce or neglect. Um, amen. Uh, Matthew seven twenty one to 23. We can go there. I'm sure he's going to have it up. Oh. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The word know means yada, which means to know intimately. Uh, the best example I can give is my relationship with you and I. Uh, you guys all might know my name is Miranda, right? 
Some of you guys know my birthday. Anybody know my favorite color? My favorite ice cream? What I wanted to be when I grew up? No? <laughs> what? <laughs> and vice versa. I know everybody's name in here. But I don't know those intimate questions either. I may know them about a few of you, but I don't know them about all of you. Because we haven't sat and spent time together. We haven't taken time to go and be with one another and learn those things about each other. And it can seem awkward because think about it this way. If I've been in the church with many of you guys for 15 years, some of you guys a little more, and we don't know these things about each other, oh man, here I go, then, <laughs> then dare I say, are we the church? And that's a rebuke for me too. Because pastor's been preaching about the church, but yet we don't know each other intimately, and we expect to know him intimately. But if we knew him intimately, then he would know that he wants us to know each other intimately, just like the church of Acts, breaking bread for one another. Not, hey, does anybody have a need? No, I already know the need because I'm so invested in that, in that sister. I'm so invested in that brother. I already know. I don't even need to, 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 you know, get a gathering. I don't even need to send out a text blast. We already know where they're at because we know them. But again, our horizontal relationships reflect this, this one. But if we knew the Father's heart, then being the church wouldn't be a problem. There wouldn't be 15 people in this church. There'd be a lot more people in this church on a Wednesday. There'd be a lot more people who, sh who showed up because they would have the Father's heart and the heart for each other. Wouldn't just dip out, you know, and I'm, I've been guilty of it. I'll just be, I'll just throw myself in there when I'm hungry and I want to leave, you know. <laughs> but we don't leave, oh, it's altar call, got to go because I know it's going to take a while, you know, <laughs> or, or I'm leaving right away because I'm hungry. We would stay. We would linger because the Holy Spirit stays and he lingers. And he checks it out. What's going on? Because if we give him an opening, he takes that opening. He wiggles right on in. Oh, you letting me in? I'm coming in, right? It's the same, the, the same job that the worship team has. The worship team can stifle or relinquish. That's a, they, they have two jobs here. They can stifle the spirit or they can relinquish the spirit. And when they relinquish the spirit, when they just say, God, that's not even on the song list, but hallelujah, let's just go for it. When they relinquish it, when they begin to prophesy over us, they relinquish the spirit. Now they're not even up here anymore. And the Holy Spirit's just throwing things, you know, every which way. And the Holy Spirit's relinquished because we've got out of his way. None of that's on this paper. Um, okay. So knowing, right? We know knowing is knowing intimately. It's not just knowing our names. And when, when we read in Psalms and it says, you know me. You know when I get up. In Psalms 139, you know when I get down. It's just not just that he, he says, okay, you got up. You got, he knows. He knows intimately when we get up and when we get down. He knows whether we are here or whether we're there. He knows every hair on the top of our head intimately. He doesn't just guess. Um, Jesus is simply saying in Revelations 2 that I, I see what you're doing, but I want to spend time with you. Your faithfulness, Matthew 7 says, your faithfulness is not enough to me. Your church attendance is not enough to me. Your labor is 
is not enough to me. Although these things are necessary to build the church, you have to build you. (laughs) We're pillars of the church. We're the salt. We're the light. We lose our flavor. There's no pillars for the church to stand on. We're just burnt out, tired Christian people who are afraid of Matthew 7, verse 23. For I, uh, I see all you've done, but I don't know you, says the Lord. That should be the scariest thing. Nothing in this world should fear, we should fear more than hearing that because we didn't know him. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. Amen. Um, it's very possible to do, uh, to, to work and work and work. We, we learn about Martha and Mary and we learn about, you know, Matthew 7, same, same concept. It's, it's common. I think we can all come to a common consensus that we have all backslidden at some point when it came to this definition of backsliding. Our hearts have at some point moved, have some point shifted. We've gotten distracted, our priorities out of whack a bit. We, we've, we've shifted some other things. We don't pray at the, that time. We've replaced our prayer time with a different time. We've replaced uh, or maybe no time at all. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the case. <clears throat> I asked some people uh, in, our, in our armory class, now that we don't read all together, you know, just trying to catch them slipping, uh, what are you reading right now? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, what are you reading right now? When I don't tell you what to read, what are you reading right now? Um, yeah, exactly. I know you guys are watching. <laughs> I know you guys are watching. Uh, you shouldn't read because it's a mandate from the church. You should read for you. You know, if pastor just, amen. <laughs> pastor, pastor. Um, all right. Yeah. Intimacy. Don't lack intimacy. We cannot survive on secondhand encounters. When pastor preaches to us, powerful word, right? Powerful word. Amazing word. Comes through mouthpiece by the Holy Spirit. But it's secondhand. No offense. (laughs) It's secondhand. He had that encounter with the Lord. 6 a.m., coffee with Jesus. The Lord encountered him for himself, for his marriage, for his family, and for his church. What we're getting on a Sunday or Wednesday is literally a sliver of what the Lord has already said to him. Because the Lord had said, I'm going to give you all of this, uh, but this is for them. Yeah. <laughs> this little bit is, this little bit's for them. You know, and oftentimes it's like, I got so many things going on. And we're like, what, Pastor? And he's like, I'll tell you next year. <laughs> what? <laughs> so frustrating. Tell me now. You know, uh, but the thing is, we're getting secondhand word. Even me teaching you right now is secondhand word. It's my, it's my encounter with God. Uh, serving its purpose to speak. But you have to have your own encounters, your own personal encounters with God. You cannot survive on second hand. Nobody wants sloppy seconds, okay? Nobody, I don't know if you're the baby in the family. I'm the baby in the family, so I wore everyone's ugly clothes, okay? It was 93, and I... (laughs) I kept wearing 90s clothes into the millennium. And then we were poor, so then I just wore all Pastor Maria's clothes. Uh, so, 
<laughs> and, but they're amazing. They're a blessing. But I, there's nothing like getting your own fresh new outfit, man. An outfit that you've picked out. An outfit that's good for you. There's nothing like being alone with the Lord and having him encounter you for you, for your marriage, for your family, for your, you know, walk with the Lord. Don't uh, live on sloppy seconds. They're not going to sustain you. It's very similar to when I teach the armory that uh, you don't win battles. Oh, Lord, I'm going through an issue. Oh, Lord. No, not that one. Hold on. Oh, Lord, I'm going through an issue. And just wherever I open my Bible today, God, that's what I'm going to fight with. Oh, no, that's not going to work. You, you can't win spiritual battles by just playing guessing game with the Word of God. you got to know the Word of God so you know where to go to fight with the Word of God. You, you don't win the spiritual battle by pastors, amazing revolutionaries, second encounters, okay? We don't, because he's, he's got it already. He comes with the fire, he's pulling it out. Where's your fire? Why do we have to sing three songs to get you revved up in the spirit? Why are you not jumping in and running in and getting ready? What, what's, what's the issue here, you know? But the issue is simple. You came to get, not to give. You came to get, not to give. And we come to the church to give. We come into his gates with thanksgiving, to give him glory, to give him honor, not to get, not to get our healing, not to get our moment, not to get our encounter. You should have had an encounter, period. Uh, I was, uh, Sister Des was voice memoing me one Sunday, and I was trying to listen, but all I could hear was the blasting worship music in the background, and I'm just like, She's having her own moment before church because she's encountering Jesus before she encounters the Lord for us, <laughs> to give it to us. <laughs> she has to be full, full, make some leftovers, and then give us some leftovers. Amen? All right, where am I at? I'm in a good place. Um, <laughs> okay. You see, Jesus is not rebuking us. He's just reminding us. He remind, he's reminding us that it's just not enough. It's just not enough. He wants all of it. He wants everything. He's jealous for us. He wants, he wants our full attention. He doesn't want you to be focused on anything else but him. Everything else has to line up to him. He is jealous for you. I believe that God is calling us in this church to do three things, to remember, repent, and reconnect. We can see that in Revelations 2. Let me pull back. My hands are sweaty, so it's a little difficult to get there. He says in verse 5, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Remember repent and do the first works or else I will come quickly <clears throat> when I was uh, originally praying for this message I was praying for first love fire and there's a song a beautiful worship set by mercy culture and in that worship set she says first love fire there's first love fire in this room and 
she describes it as the love that we first had when we first fell in love. And uh, when I was praying and listening to that song, I was praying for first love fire. And I got a vision of my car, and I shared this with my husband. And if you've ever heard me teach, then you know that I teach in a lot of uh, analogies. Um, sometimes people can't keep up, but I believe that that's how Jesus also shows me things as well. And the Spirit showed me that falling back in love with Jesus is the same process as cleaning out my car. And um, if you've been in my car, it's, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good, okay? Uh, Cleaning out the car is a process. It takes a while, okay? I mean, I have to take a good four-hour block out of my day. No less, all right? It's good. it's a whole shebang. Um, I got to bring a, a valuable bag. I got to bring a trash bag. I got to bring a lint roller. I got to... <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Uh, back to subject, sorry. Uh, but he was reminding me about cleaning out my car. And uh, it's interesting because when I first bought my car, I made a little silent promise to myself, I'm never going to eat in my car. And I, rem I remind myself of that when I put the trash in the trash bag. And I'm like, I said I never would do this. And here I am, wrapper after wrapper, after bowl, after spoon, after... <laughs> after pan after i mean it's it's ridiculous in my in my uh, car <laughs> but uh the lord says to remember where you've fallen remember those promises that you made uh remember when my car was new <laughs> remember when my car was new when i was driving off in the first 30 days where i didn't have to pay no registration no payment i was walking free and it smelled good, it smelled great. Remember that. So I'm going to bring you to Matthew um, 27. <clears throat> 27 through 31. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus in the prematorium and gathered the whole garnison around him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on his head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him and put his own clothes on him and they led him away to be crucified. Do you remember what Jesus did for us on the cross? Do you remember the cost that was paid? Do you remember what he did, the king on a cross? John 17 is probably one of my favorite verses, uh, chapters really in the Bible and <laughs> I love it because chapter 17 begins with Jesus praying for himself and I'm going to share a little bit of that prayer um, verse 1 it says Jesus spoke these words lifted up his eyes to the heaven and said father the hour has come 
glorify your son and your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you've given him and this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent I have glorified you on the earth I have finished the work which you have given me to do and now O God O Father glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And I remember sitting on that verse over and over and over. Jesus says, before the world was as it is, I knew. <laughs> I knew this was the cost. You and I sat together in the abyss of nothing. And we were like, are we doing this? <laughs> are we creating this world together? And I can imagine God looking at Jesus and saying, you know how much it's going to cost, right? And he says, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do this thing, you know, and the Holy Spirit's like, all right, I'll be with you. <laughs> I'll be with you. But Jesus said, let's do it. Glorify me, God, with the glory which I had before the world was as it is. He decided to die on the cross before the world began. Revelations 1. This is kind of how Revelations 2 prefaces. But I want you to get a good glimpse at your Savior, the one who wants to love you and what he did for you. So John is being met. It says in verse 10, I was in the spirit of the I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. I can't pronounce all those, so I'm not gonna try. I'm gonna skip. Uh, verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. Uh, if everybody can, just close your eyes. Just close your eyes and just picture uh, what John is describing. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool and as white as the snow and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a, sh a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell to my feet as dead, and he laid his right hand on me, saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. So taking that picture that you see, that's your savior. In all his majestic, mighty glory, he went to the cross. His physical body may have been bruised and bleeding and torn into pieces, but his spiritual body was glowing like the sun. His spiritual eyes were like flames, and his voice like rushing waters. 
Do you remember your Savior? Revelations 2 says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, and then repent. One of the best things that the marriage conference taught me was that repentant, uh, re to repent does not mean to say I'm sorry. Repentance means to change your mind. And oftentimes we think, oh, God, I'm sorry. God. I don't know how many times I've entered this church and been like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I did it, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I failed, I'm sorry, I messed up, but it, I'm sorry isn't repentance, changing your mind about something is, uh, God, I'm sorry that I did that, and I never want to do that again, I, I, not only do I never want to do that again, but I hate that, I hate that, <laughs> I don't want anything to do with it, I can't believe I even engaged in that, that's evil, that's, he says, he says, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. I hate that. I don't want anything to do with my past anymore. I don't want anything to do with that situation anymore. I can't believe that. But you know what, God, your grace and your mercy covers that. But I hate that. I never want to be engaged in that again. And that's repentance. To walk away from the old, to lay it down, and not to pick it up. Acts 3.19 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Proverbs 28.13, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. The one who confesses and renounces. You have to disassociate yourself with that thing. It's, it's not enough to just say, okay, I did it. You have to disassociate. You have to delete the website. You have to walk away from the relationship. You have to cut ties with these things because you have to hate it. It has to be the complete opposite of you. If, if, you're, if you're an ex-alcoholic, you can't be comfortable at the bar. You gotta hate it. You gotta hate what that, what that bottle is doing to families. You gotta hate what those drugs are doing to little girls and little boys who are being raised with no parents. You gotta hate that. We can't associate with that. Not out of judgment, but because we hate that. I hate what that's doing. I hate what that's, that's, uh, you know, partnering with. I don't wanna partner with that. I want, I, I'm hating that because the Lord is hating that. Not the people, but that. <laughs> Repentance is no longer being content with past behavior. It's changing your mind and changing your direction. So we have remember, repent, and I'm going to close with uh, reconnect. Verse 5 ends with repent and do the first works. So a little, little fun fact. Uh, when I first started dating my husband... My schedule was busy. Okay, like busy, busy, like really busy. I don't know how I had time to date. Uh, thing is, you make time. <laughs> you make time to date when you want to date. <laughs> and um, I remember, uh, it's funny because I found it on his phone recently, but I remember, uh, you remember, yeah. Uh, he asked me uh, on a second date, and I was like, I don't know, man, I'm really busy. I'd like to see you too, but uh, here's my schedule for like the next two weeks. It's jam-packed. <laughs> I was like, I got church Monday, then goes to worship, go worship back this Monday. I got counseling Tuesday, Wednesday I'm at church. I got Bible study at Friday. And I was like, it's just not going to work. I'm working double shifts. 
it's not going to work. And our second date was 30 minutes on my lunch break at my job. <laughs> that was my second date. Because he took my schedule, he screenshotted it, which I found. I found it. Uh, and uh, he made time. He was like, all right, well, that's not going to work for me. And he said, like, that's going to work for you. And he showed up. Our second date was him showing up, bringing me an Inca Cola Peruvian soda at the food court. Um, but those are first works. Those are things that you used to do. You know, I used to do this. I used to feel this. It, you know, it wasn't a big problem to pay for the bill, but now paying tithes is such an issue. Like, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal to do this, but now this, oh, man, I got to do this. It's the first works. So there is a bit of works that go into this, but they're not the works that you think. They're not the things that you do now. The laborer that you are now isn't the laborer who fell in love with the Lord, right? Uh, I'll use Sister Jessica. She's right here as an example. <laughs> She wasn't always leading us in worship here. What was your first ministry? Huh? Kids church, right? So when she first fell in love with the Lord, she was in kids church. Probably, maybe by choice because you're a very skilled teacher, but probably by need. <laughs> we need teachers. I don't even like kids, but I'm going to go in, you know. Uh, I remember, I remember Pastor Marie had to kick me out of kids' church because I didn't want to leave. So I was like 12, 13, like, I guess, can I, can I be a helper, you know? You know, can I be, <laughs> you're laughing because you remember, I was like the tallest kid in class. Like, <laughs> I didn't want to leave. I was 5'5 five, five and 12. I didn't know what to do. I was taller than you. And I didn't want to leave. And most teenagers were like, I'm 12, I'm out of here. And I was 12, and I was like, you want me to have to pass out the papers? Like, what do you want me to do? But that was what I first did. That was my first active ministry was to be a teacher's helper. Not what I do now. What I do now is great. I love to teach. But that's not what I was doing when I first fell in love with the Lord. When I first fell in love with the Lord, I was serving with my heart, not just with my body. And so that's what he's saying, your first works. Serve with your heart, not just your body. Don't show up because we need you to show up. Show up because you want to be here, because you want to serve. Get back to this intimate things that you used to do. The intimate things, not the public things, the private things. What private things did you, you do? And I mean, another fun fact, <laughs> your private relationship with the Lord always goes public, whether good or bad. So when we're not rooted and we get hit, we can tell who didn't have a private life with the Lord because our private life with the Lord sustains us for the battles that go public. <laughs> and that, that's why we can look at, I mean, for me, I honor Brother Victor and I can see Brother Victor and see that he wasn't just playing games these 15 years. This is not just a man that has shown up. This is a man who has labored privately to when his wife passes away, he's still the first one here. He's still ushering. He's still pouring out to the church because this wasn't just a, 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 a public gig. This wasn't just a show. This was the real deal. This, he's the real deal. If Brother Dan were here, man, I, I miss him so much. But we got to be the real deal. 
Jesus doesn't want anything other than that. He wants us privately to be the, so we can be the real deal privately and publicly. So getting back to, as I'm ending, getting back to my vision of my car and the process of cleaning out my car. A lot of people say falling in love with Jesus. I gave you some steps. Remember, repent, and reconnect. And the process of cleaning out each one of our cars is a little different. Mine takes a long time. <laughs> Pastors might never have to take any time at all. <laughs> it might be the easiest car ever. He just goes through and then that's it. He never has to do anything with it, right? So everybody's process is different. But the cleaning of the car the Holy Spirit brought to me was because he reminded me that you clean the outside and then deep clean the inside. And that takes some time. And if your car's like mine, I have a, like I said, I have a bag for trash. I got a bag for things, uh, dishes. I got a, a bag for things that should have been in the house, I, but uh, I have made it into my car. I have a few pairs of clothes and some shoes just in case. They're not even cute clothes or shoes. They're just random. They're just like I forgot. And we have to deep clean those things. So falling in love with Jesus is, is about remembering, repenting, and reconnecting. But staying in love with Jesus is keeping your car clean. Deep cleaning constantly. When something, you know, I imagine, Pastor, you bring a cup of coffee to your car when you go to work. You take that cup with you every time, don't you? Yeah, you never leave it in there overnight. I have cups <laughs> that have been there for longer than I like to admit. Okay? I have at least more than five Starbucks cups. Countless amounts of water bottles, empty and full. Snacks, half empty. Smushed sometimes. So this is my car, people, okay? Right? <laughs> Sometimes when I get home from work, this is like a fun fact, my hand is so heavy, I can't take the drinks back with me to the house. So then they stay there, and my my husband picks them up and takes them and puts them in the house for me. Thank you, honey. Um, uh, let's end with Psalms 51. Uh, so oftentimes we have to pray in this prayer time for the Lord to create in us a clean heart, a clean car. Ah, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, sorry. Verse, uh, I'm going to 51, verse 10 to 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. He's saying, Lord, clean up my car. Let me not forget about your presence. Let me not forget about what you've done for me. Let me remember you. Restore to me your salvation as I repent. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Restore some things back in my heart. Reconnect with me, Lord.
So, I don't know, I'm just going to end like that. Um, you know, your car may be clean, and it may be in a different process, and everybody's in a different process. But as we're building the church, and as pastors encouraging us to build the church, don't neglect to build your relationship with him. Don't neglect your, your private time, your private encounters with God, because they directly reflect your public ones. And if your private relationship is, 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 is flourishing, then this church is going to explode. Because when we get here, we don't need three songs to warm us up. We, man, we come in ready. We come in amped. We go out there ready. <laughs> we go out there amped because we're so stirred up. So I just pray that you guys are encouraged, uh, not by the rebuke, but by the, the voice of Jesus saying, I miss you. I miss you. Reconnect with me. Find that prayer time back with me. Find that reading time back with me. Find time to just sit with nobody watching. Just you and me. Thank you.